0: Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity to come in your house and worship today. And Lord, as we sing songs and pray prayers, and Lord, as we prepare to read your word and God, just talk about ways that we can apply it to our life. Or there's a decision that has to be made. God, we have to decide whether or not we truly believe in the things that we're saying right now. If we truly believe in the words that we just sang, if we truly believe in the words that we're offering up in prayers, if we truly believe in the words that we're about to read, God, we have to make that decision. For some of us, it may be looking past skepticism and doubts. For others, it just may be surrendering pride that, that we just give ourselves to you but Lord we have to make a decision and Father your word says that you stand at the door and you knock but God you don't beat it down and you don't enter in with us refusing to let you in you are a loving merciful and kind God and even though you shouldn't have to you stand at the door and you knock and you wait on us to allow you to come in. So God, I pray today that we would be a body of believers that would let you in. Lord, that we would invite you into this building. Lord, that we would invite you into our hearts. That we would invite you into our minds. And Lord, we would invite you to go with us as we leave this place. You're the cornerstone upon which our lives should be built. And I pray, Father God, that you would help us to make the decision to let you be that today. Father, we love you. And we ask all this in the precious and holy name of Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. So we're in week six. We're talking about faith in motion, for those of you who may not have been here. And today's title of the sermon is, is that faith takes time. Faith is not something that just happens overnight. It's not something that you just wake up with one day and all of a sudden you just believe. It's something that you have to seek and desire and want and devote your life to. I shared with the first service this morning that I can remember being a young kid and going to church and being taught about Scripture. And, you know, we'd periodically go to church. It wasn't like an every week thing, but we would go and, and I knew Scripture and I knew some Bible stories. And I remember like having this internal battle within myself of wanting to believe in God. But then you go to school and you take science classes and you hear of all the reasons why God doesn't exist and it's not real and evolution and Creation's not real. And you, you hear all these mixed signals that you're getting from all these people. And I remember being a young person laying in bed at night and just asking God, God, if you want me to believe in you, reveal yourself to me. But just something along those lines, like show me that you're real so that I can believe in you, so that I, so I can have faith in you, so I can trust in you, live my life. And I spent... A long time doing that. It wasn't like God just showed up right whenever I asked Him to, but it was something that that was always pressing on me that I, I wanted to do. And eventually, there came a time when I was 16, and I came through the doors of this church, and God truly revealed Himself to me. And over the course of those few months in the fall of 2000, I ended up giving my heart to Christ. But it was something that I remember asking for, and so understanding this morning that if you're sitting here today and you think like you're just going to wake up one day and you're just going to have faith. Or you're just gonna believe, or you're just gonna be able to trust in God to do all the things that God's wanting you to do, that's probably not gonna happen. We don't just stumble into faith, it takes time. It takes a great deal of effort, it takes a great deal of energy, and faith is very necessary in our relationship with the Lord. It's what your relationship is built off of, it's the foundation. Faith, believing in God, is the foundation. You know, Abraham was the father of faith. He simply believed in God and God counted him as righteous because he believed in him and went to a foreign land and not knowing where God was going to lead him or what God was going to tell him to do and Abraham went willingly and Abraham didn't have the answers. He's the father of faith and as believers in Christ this morning, you and I have to have faith. It's what our relationship with Christ is built off of and it's what should continually grow in our relationship with him. I don't know if you ever thought about that before but faith is not something that We should just be happy with when it reaches a certain point. Faith is one of those aspects of your relationship with the Lord that it can continue to grow as long as you live. But you have to put it to exercise. You have to help it to become mature and become stronger. And it's a necessary part of your relationship with God that must be lived out and displayed to other people. People need to see that you have faith. It's an incredible witness to other people in believing in God and trusting in Him. And Noah did a good job of that. And we're going to read in Genesis 6, verses 14 through 22. Same, similar passage of scripture we've been reading in. We're going to keep reading them because I want you to get it through your head. There's a lot of stuff in this passage that we miss. Because children's church has always done a good job of churching this thing up and just like making, okay, God did this incredible thing. But we don't really think about a lot of the backstory and what went into this for all this to happen. So we're going to keep reading until we can pull some of these things out. But in verse 14, it says, Build a large boat from cypress wood and waterproof it with tar inside and out. Then construct decks and install and stalls throughout its interior. Make the boat 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Leave an 18-inch opening below the roof all the way around the boat. Put the door on the side and build three decks inside the boat, lower, middle, and upper. Look. I'm about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die, but I will confirm my covenant with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring a pair of every kind of animal, a male and female, into the boat with you to keep them alive during the flood. Pairs of every kind of bird and every kind of animal and every kind of small animal that scurries along the ground will come to you to be kept alive, and be sure to take on board enough food for your family and for all the animals. And so Noah did everything exactly as God commanded him. And so the title of today's sermon is Faith Takes Time. And when you look at this, there's so many aspects inside this sermon this whole journey that Noah is going on with the Lord and with his family in order to make all this happen. But it takes time and it takes faith to build. You remember a few weeks ago and I had some, some comparison, a chart of comparison of the, the Ark and like the Titanic and some other vessels that you could compare it to. And you remember it took 14,000 men two years to build the Titanic with prefabricated steel structures being brought into place and assembled together and all the other things, 14,000 men, two years to do. And so if you do the math, that's 28,000 man years that it took to build the Titanic. For Noah to take on the responsibility to build something like the ark, the size that God wanted him to build it, it would seem impossible, right? I mean, I don't know about you guys, have you ever been faced with something in your life where you're just like, this seems impossible to do? Like, I don't feel like I can do this. Like, this takes too much time or too much effort or too much money. It just seems impossible. And so when you look at Noah and the whole idea that he has to build this boat and the concept that a boat may never have been built before, the simple fact that he had never built a boat before, and now he's got to build this monstrosity of a structure and then have faith that it's actually going to float with him and all the animals in it. It takes faith to build. Hebrews 11, verse 7. We've read it several times. Let's read it again. But it said, It was by faith that Noah built a large boat to save his family from the flood. He obeyed God, who warned him about things that had never happened before. When you look at Noah, this whole story is based around faith. And as people, nothing that is good or worth doing is just going to happen. You ever heard that before? It's not, you're, you're not going to stumble upon it. Anything that's good or is worth having is worth working for, right? Do you believe that? In life, most things that are good, you're going to have to work for. You're going to have to sacrifice for. And you know that just in the physical things of life, that if you're willing to sacrifice, if you're willing to work for stuff, that you can have better or nicer things. And it's very similar that there's so many things about faith that parallels to the physical world. There's so many things about your faith and your relationship with Christ. If you're willing to work, to put the work into it and the sacrifice, you can do it. And when you look at Noah, Noah is completely committed to this moment. Completely committed to building what God has called him to build. And you're sitting here this morning and you have to believe and have faith that God wants to do something through you. That God wants to do something great through you. And let me tell you, if you don't believe that God wants to do something great through you, then chances are he's probably not going to do something great. Because if you don't believe that, you're not going to prepare for it. You're not, going to build, you're not going to do what it takes in order for you to build your relationship with God to get to the point to do something great for him. You have to have faith and be able to believe in that. But it costs us to build. Anybody build anything in the past few years? It costs more to build now than it used to. It costs a lot to build. It's expensive, and your relationship with Christ is no different. It's going to cost you, but you have to have enough faith in Christ in order to be willing to devote things to him in order to build your relationship with him and build your faith in him. you got to be willing to give time. It takes time. The older you get, the more you realize how precious time is. We have a lot of older people in our first service this morning. They were in here. And we got some older people in there, some people in their 90s. They were nodding their head, time is precious. As they realize their clock is running down, you think about some of the things that you wish you could buy. Time would be one of the most valuable things in this world if you could figure out a way to sell it to people. Think about how much money we spend on stuff to save time, whether you realize it or not. But you got to be willing to devote time to build your faith, to build your relationship with Christ. It's not just going to happen. you got to be willing to devote your money to building your faith whether it be tithes and offerings, whether it be doing good works in the name of Christ. I mean, like, you, you, you can look at this whole concept, and we're going to go through, and we're going to talk about a lot of stuff. But there will be people who say, no, I draw the line at time. My time is for me. I'm going to do what I want to with my time. I'm going to enjoy myself while I can because life is short, and I want to do this. And they draw the line at time. And some people would rather have their time and give away all their money just to have their time. That make sense? And then there are some people who look at money, and money is the most important thing. They'll spend their, all their time working to make more money, and the money is their, their thing that they cling to. And they say, well, when it comes to God, money is where I draw the line. I'm not giving money. You have to be willing to devote all aspects of your life to the Lord in order to see your relationship with him grow. Whether you agree with it or not, there's a reason why Christ calls us to do certain things. And we have to be willing to step out on faith And do the things that Christ has called us to do in order to see our relationship with Him grow and mature the way that it's supposed to. And it's amazing. Like you you hear people, you hear people in the church who talk about when they've given something or they've given financially or they've given time-wise on whatever it is that they give, how God almost like pays them back almost immediately in like some of these amazing stories. That people will give testimony to where they'll sacrifice and they'll give and they'll do certain things. When they surrender it to the Lord, it's almost like the Lord gives it right back to them. You gotta be willing to have faith that God's gonna do that. And even if He doesn't, are you gonna have faith enough to be okay with it? It takes faith. Your mind must be devoted to the building of your faith. Allowing God to enter into your mind, your thoughts, the things that you think about, the things that you dwell on, the things that you dream about. Are you willing to devote your mind to think about God, to, ponder on, to think about ways to serve Him, to think about ways to honor Him, to think about ways to minister to other people, allowing God to have your mind, devoting your mind to the building of your faith? You've got to be willing to devote energy. The older you get, the less energy you have. Some, had some people this morning. It takes a lot of energy for some of them to even get out of bed and be able to come here this morning. And they could use that energy doing some other things. And so you got to be willing to devote energy. Because your relationship with Christ is not something that you're just going to stumble into. It's something that you have to desire and you have to want and you have to be willing to invest in. Time, money, energy, everything else in life that you come to. And that you're investing in, does it not cost time, money, effort, and energy? Whatever you want to be a part of, it costs you something, and Christ is no different. And your family, you must be willing to devote your family to the building of your faith. And you look at this and you say, okay, like, how does this apply to Noah? You think about Noah in this moment. And the Lord came and spoke to him, and he said, for you alone... Are righteous in all the earth. So it wasn't like his sons and his daughter in laws were counted righteous among the people, but they were kind of blanketed with Noah's righteousness. But in this, Noah agrees to build the ark, and his sons and his daughter in laws are brought into this effort. And his willingness to be obedient to the Lord brings along his sons and his daughter in laws in this process to be a part of this great thing that God is doing. And there's some of you in here this morning, you need to understand with everything that you are, that your children may not be where you want them to be right now. Your grandchildren may not be where you want them to be right now, but you are setting an example for them to follow as long as you live and breathe. And even if you're own up in years, even in the later years of your life, every ounce of time that you have is precious to continue to set that example because they're going to remember how you handled those situations how you handled the conversations, how you reacted when they disappointed you. They're going to remember what you promoted to be important in their lives. They're going to remember what you placed your emphasis on. They're going to remember how important that bank account was to you. They're going to remember how important your time was to you. And you set the example for them in hope that one day they will see and understand the righteous life that they need to be living because they've watched you do it and realized that it is possible and it's something that they should be doing too because it will bring conviction on their life. Because the last part of that verse in Hebrews 11 was Noah's faith. Condemn the rest of the world through his righteousness. Your life will help convict your children to live the way that they're supposed to be. It takes faith to build your life around Christ. It takes time. It's not going to come overnight. It's not going to happen like that. And in a world where we want everything to happen like that, how much actually happens like that? Anything worth having is worth working and fighting for. If you believe that Christ, if you believe in him, then he needs to be worth fighting for and working towards to build your relationship with him and to build that faith with him. Point number two, it takes time and faith to prepare. Don't think for one second that you can just go out and live your life for God. That you're just going to be able to go out and do something like build an ark. Noah had been preparing for 600 years. We've talked about this weeks ago. For 600 years, he lived a righteous life When the rest of the world was living in sin, living in evil, living violent lives, and nothing was ever happening to them, but he was faithful for 600 years. And he didn't know that he was preparing himself to build an ark, but he was faithful for 600 years and inevitably prepared himself to continue to be obedient to everything that God asked him to do. And you look at verse 22 in chapter 6, what did it say about Noah? He did everything just as the Lord commanded. 600 years of preparation No telling how long he spent building the ark. Some people say 120 years. We don't really know. There's some reasons why they say 120 years, but it's not definite. But taking the animals on board in preparation. I mean, you know, there's one thing like when it comes to building the ark, but then when it actually comes time to like gathering the animals on board, Taking all the food on board, enough for you and the animals, and like really buying into this thing. It's like, it's one thing to build a really cool big boat and be like, yeah, this is cool. We did this. Now it's done. But it's another thing to get on that thing and then trust it to stay afloat. Now, I don't know about y'all, but we just got done building a house. Still working on it. There's been times I thought it might fall in. It might burn up. Like it was, we were kind of nervous to move into it to begin with because It had not, time had not proven its stability. And if God called me to build a boat and I built a boat for the first time, I'd be a little weary about getting on it with all the animals on earth and my whole family and enough food to feed us all for over a year. And be like, yeah, this thing, we got this. We we can float on this. It would be terrifying. But to prepare, to get the animals on board, to get the food and just simply getting on the boat. I don't know if you've ever been on a ship in the middle of the ocean. We've traveled in between the, the main island of Haiti and uh, the, the other small island that Greg was on. And it was one of those things like it's kind of fun, but it's also kind of terrifying. I just don't like being out in the middle of the ocean. Just knowing, like you're looking around, it's like there's no telling what is underneath me right now. Like it's just, it doesn't excite me at all. Just getting on the boat and being willing to have faith that God is going to work everything out. You know, it's like there was no udder. There was no steering wheel. There was no way for Noah to like take this. It wasn't like they were just out cruising around in the middle of the flood. They were literally free-floating wherever it was going to take them to go. And to have enough faith to get on that boat with all those animals and do everything that he was supposed to do, A lot of times we glorify this story, but it's not as glorious as what we would like to think it is. It would take a lot of faith and a lot of difficulty to prepare. In Luke chapter 21, verses 34 through 36, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he's talking to them about what it means to be prepared. And inevitably, what they are preparing for. Because you and I, we have to make preparations for everyday life, but there's an end game. There's something that we are inevitably preparing for whether we realize it or not. And Jesus speaks about this. He says, watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. How easy is it to get consumed by things in this life, in the moment in time? But don't let your hearts be dulled by it. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. There's this understanding that Jesus is calling us as people to be ready to stand before our Creator one day. That's inevitably what you're preparing for. And so the everyday, simple, mundane, living for Christ, being obedient to Him trying to keep from sinning, doing all the little stuff that just seems like the boring Christian life, that is all preparation leading up to the big event where God is calling us to stand before Him one day. And we got to be willing to prepare for that. He talks about it again in Matthew chapter 24, verses 42 through 44. And He said, "...so you too must keep watch, for you don't know what day your Lord is coming." Understand this, if a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would keep watch and not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. So you're not only preparing yourself for everyday life, but you're preparing yourself for the inevitable time where you stand before Christ one day, and where He judges you, and He rewards you with eternal life, or He gives you your just payment, of hell and eternal death. Like, you have to decide what you believe in. If you believe in God's word and what he's calling you to do, preparation is vital. If you think you're, that you're... If you think for one second, we're just going to wake up tomorrow morning and we're just going to stumble into holiness and stumble into conversations about Christ and you're just going to stumble into spiritual growth and you're going to stumble into responding well to others when they mistreat you fool, and all you're going to do is fall whenever you stumble. Those things are not going to happen naturally. You live in the natural world, right? The physical world. The ruler of this physical world is our enemy. Everything that he is working out, and you think about this, how many of you, it was tense or stressful, or you got an argument this morning when you were getting up and getting ready to come to church, Nobody's willing to be honest. You hear people talk about all the time, it's like, for whatever reason, families argue more on Sunday morning than any other time of the week. Satan, I got one, one of our teenagers is back there like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's right, mm mm-hmm, must have been good this morning. Satan is maneuvering through this world in such a way to bring about destruction and eternal damnation for every one of us. If we believe in God and we believe in Jesus Christ, then you have to believe in that aspect as well. That's his goal. And in the physical world, the natural things that are just going to happen are going to inevitably lead to destruction. That's why sin's so easy. Right? I mean, it's just easier to live in sin than it is to live for Christ. It is. Paul talks about it. He writes about it in Ephesians chapter 6, in verses 10 through 20. And he challenges the people of the church in Ephesus and he tells them, put on the armor of Christ. And he goes through and he uses this great analogy of all the, the, the pieces of the Roman soldier armor and how you should put on these things and what they do and what they protect you from and how you're supposed to guard yourself against attacks from Satan. And Satan loves nothing more than people who claim to believe in Christ and get up every morning and don't put on any armor because it's so easy to overcome people who are not prepared. There's a reason why Paul talked about putting it on. You need it. Whether you realize it or not, you may not be going out and fighting a war with swords and shields and actual armor, but you are going out every day and you are fighting a spiritual battle whether or not you know it. And if you didn't know it, then you've probably been losing at it. But now that you do know it, and now that you do know that you're supposed to be preparing yourself for it and you should be putting on your armor and you should be preparing yourself against attacks from satan and you should be preparing yourselves for opportunities to read god's word and to pray and to spend time in spiritual conversations with other people to talk about jesus christ to be a witness to want someone that you know to get saved as a result of your life it takes faith to prepare to do those things it's not just going to happen There's a a time and point in your life where you have to realize it's important enough for you to prepare in order to see that happen one day. That it's not just going to happen by accident, but you have to want that. You have to desire that. It's got to be on your mind, in your heart. It's got to be what you desire. And if it's not, it's not going to happen. You with me? You have to have faith enough to prepare. And point number three, it takes time and faith to wait. The worst one of all. There's nothing more frustrating to a child, and there's nothing more frustrating to an adult than to tell them to wait. You want to make somebody mad? Get somebody in a restaurant in line for food and just tell them to wait. You want to make a kid mad? Just tell them, just wait a second. And it doesn't matter how old you are, one of the most frustrating things that we can tell be told, is just to wait. In Genesis chapter 7, verses 1 through 5, you know, we really church up the story of Noah a lot. But you don't realize how miserable of a process this would have been. It says, When everything was ready, the Lord said to Noah, Go into the boat with all your family, for among all the people of the earth I can see that you alone are righteous. Take with you seven pairs, male and female, of each animal I have approved for eating and for sacrifice, and take one pair of each of the others. Also take seven pairs of every kind of bird. There must be a male and a female in each pair to ensure that all life will survive on the earth after the flood. Seven days from now I will make the rains pour down on the earth, and it will rain for 40 days and 40 nights until I have wiped from the earth all the living things I have created. So Noah did everything as the Lord commanded. And when you look at Noah's life and you say, okay, this is a cool story. Wish God could use me to do something like this. I want you to think about how much you hate waiting on stuff. And how much you're willing to put your faith into something and wait for it to happen. To wait for God to work and move in order for it to happen. Because Noah spent 600 years waiting on God to do something about the wicked world that he lived in. And then he got on the boat and waited for seven days before anything began to happen. And then he waited for 40 days and 40 nights while it rained and waters gushed forth from the earth. And then he waited for 150 days as the floodwaters covered the earth. And then after the boat came to rest on the mountains of Ararat, he waited two and a half months before the mountain peaks became visible. And then after the mountains were visible, he had to wait another 40 days before he opened the window on the ark and released the raven. Then he released the dove, and then he waited another seven days to release the dove again. And after the dove returned with an olive branch, he waited another seven days, and the dove did not come back. And then Noah waited another two months until finally God said that he could leave the boat. You with me? And all this time that he's just sitting around and he's waiting, he's not steering the ship. The ship's just going wherever it wants to. He didn't dock it in a port wherever he wanted to move to. It it rested on the mountains where God wanted it to rest. And he sat there and waited. And you can read scripture. And he looked out and he could see ground and and that the ground was drying. And even while he was sitting out there and the ground was drying, God still didn't let him get out of the boat. He had to sit and wait for it to continue to dry until God said, Now you can get out of the boat. And we love to tell this story. And we love to talk about how cool it must have been. But I don't know if you've ever actually considered what it would be like to be on a boat the sides of two football fields stacked three levels high with all the animals of the earth. And how much feces and how much urine and how much food and how much blood from all the animals that was approved for eating and sacrifice That they had to kill along the way in order even just to eat while they were on the ark. And the fact that there was only one window that we know of. And the smell. Any of you ever walked into a dog kennel before with a bunch of dogs? Or out, you ever driven by a pasture of cows? Anybody ever driven by a chicken house? You go through Westminster down the main road in Westminster. There's chicken houses everywhere. And you literally cannot breathe because the smell of chicken poop is so thick that you cannot take a breath of fresh air anywhere you go. And that's outside, driving down the road. And we love to think the story is so cool and it would be great to have all those animals on the ark. But when you think about the immense amount of stress and preparation and building and suffering and work that went along with this for Noah to do what God had called him to do, to do something amazing. Don't fool yourself to think that if you believe in God enough that he can do something great through your life and you want him to do something great through your life, that it's just going to happen because it's going to take time and sacrifice and suffering and pain, and I don't know about you guys, but any time we've ever had stories in our life that were worth telling and sharing, and some of the best memories and funniest stories come from some of the worst times that we've ever had in our life, right? I mean, like, you can look back on stuff, and you're like, it's funny now. It was not funny then, and this is one of those stories. Like, we read it, and it's glorified, and it's great, and we say, oh, this is really cool now. I'm sure when Noah was on there shoving elephant poo, wherever he put it at the time, if he was able to get it out of the boat, he was like, oh, this is great. It would not be something that he was enjoying, nor his family would have probably enjoyed at the time. And then to be on that boat and having to eat with all that just surrounding you all the time. To eat a meal while all that was going on. You have to have faith. Catch what I'm throwing at you this morning? Waiting. Waiting's one of the worst things that we have to do. Waiting on God to show up and move and do according to his will and his timing is one of the hardest things that you will do as a human being. Because we as people, we love to get our greasy little hands in the middle of everything, and inevitably we end up screwing it up. But we like to participate and play in it, right? Like, like we want to have an impact in this and so, so that we feel like we're doing something, but that's not what God calls us to do. In Psalm chapter 46, verse 10, there's this first half of the verse that everyone loves to use, and you see it on signs, and people's hanging on their wall in their homes, and it says, be still and know that I am God. Right? And that's a great verse. We love that verse. But when you think about this, the writer of this psalm, And I'm going to read verses 9 through 11 just so we can kind of get a little picture of what's surrounding this verse. And it says, He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And the person who's writing this psalm is not just talking about things of, oh, life is frustrating, I'm waiting on this job or this thing to happen with this relationship or, you know, this is really bothering me and I, I need the Lord to show up in this. No, these people were actually talking about armies surrounding them. God is the one who defeats armies. He's the one who burns the shield, snaps the bows, breaks the spears. He's the one who conquers all this. And even in the midst of while death is actually looming down on you and threatening you, it, it takes a lot of gumption for somebody to sit there and write something down where they say, be still and know that I am God in the midst of possible death coming over their life. And the time where we need that verse the most is the time where we are feeling the weight of the world on our hearts and our minds and our chests and we can't sleep and we want to do something. We bitterly, anxiously want something positive to happen in a situation and those are the times where we need that verse to say, be still and know that I am God. And it's not easy to wait. It takes faith to sit back and wait and allow God to do what we cannot do. Right? And there are some people saying, well, I would rather do something than nothing. And sometimes doing nothing is the better answer in just letting God do it. As people, it takes a great amount of faith to sit back and wait on God to do what he's called us to do. And this morning, it could be fear. There could be fear in your life that's keeping you from having faith to build, to prepare, to wait. It could be pride. It could just be personal selfishness that this is life. There's only so much of it. I'm not ready to do this. But I'm telling you guys, if you want to grow in the Lord, if you want to grow in your relationship with Him, you need to be willing to invest in your faith. And it takes time. And you got to build it. You got to prepare for it. And you got to wait for it. It's not just going to happen like that. It's something that you have to be willing to to invest your life in and the question is is do you believe in God enough to step out there and invest your life in it even when it doesn't make sense to anybody else because the thing you got to see about Noah is is the rest of the world was living their way and everything that Noah did was completely opposite of what everyone else was doing So no one else may understand what it is that God's calling you to do or asking you to do. Your family may not understand it. Your friends, your husbands, wives, boyfriends, girlfriends, they may not understand it. But the question that you have to answer is, is do I have enough faith in Jesus Christ to do what I know that he's calling me to do? Because one day I've got to stand before him and that's the end game that I'm preparing for. Do you have enough faith for that? Let's pray. Father God... just want to say that we love you today and Lord we may not always show it by our decisions and our actions but Lord we thank you for your love and mercy in spite of those things and Father, as we sit here today and we contemplate what it's going to take for us to grow in our relationship with you and to be closer to you Lord to grow in our faith and mature in it Lord we realize that it costs a great deal But Father, help us to remind ourselves and cling to the understanding that anything that is good is worth fighting and working for. And Lord, you above all things that exist, not only on this earth, but in all of creation and all of the cosmos, God, you are worth fighting and working and sacrificing for. And I pray that you would help reveal that to us so we would be willing to give ourselves to you more and more each day. We love you and we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed, thank you.